Our seats. Oh, man. Yeah. Why don't we find our seats? I kind of like it when it rains because we're all kind of together. We just need a fireplace, you know. It'll be fun. Would you turn with me to Second Peter? Man, that was a sweet old song, Dre. Um, thou art worthy, huh? Man, that's, that is a sweet old song. Thou art worthy. Second Peter. Second Peter. We're going to be talking about your precious salvation. This is part two. So if part two is not written on your notes, you could put comma part two. Right? So why don't we ask God for his blessing uh, that we would understand his word. Father, we come before you this morning. Your people need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. As one of the songs we sang, so come, awaken our hearts, illumine our minds, magnify Jesus Christ. We pray that the event of preaching would penetrate our hearts, would convict, would encourage. I pray for my brother or my sister who's coming in here weak, weak from trials and temptations and just difficulty in this life, I pray, Father, that they would be filled up full in Christ. I pray that all of us who have come to know you would leave this place a little bit more dependent, a little bit more trusting, a little bit more disciplined, to seek after the resources already given to us in Christ. Such that we would not live lives that say simply, oh, life is hard, but life is hard, and I have a great Christ. This world is is foul, but I have a great Christ, and my sins have been forgiven. And so this morning we pray, would you remind us of our precious salvation which you've given in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Uh, if you recall, last week we wanted to do three points, but we didn't get past point one. So we're going to do points two and three. And I'm going to read the text again. Second Peter chapter 1, verses... I'll just read 1 to 4. If you recall, Simon Peter a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory (coughs) and excellence, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world 
by lust. If you recall, Peter is talking to folks who are being persecuted, who many of them have run for their lives. And they have scattered across different areas of Asia Minor. And what Paul is talking to them, we remember in 1 Peter, he was talking about the persecution that came, came upon them from the outside. And here, now he prepares the believers of what is going to come from the inside, from the difficulties that come from within the church. And I think it's better for us uh, to have a policy of truth where, hey, I mean, if, even with our children, as we raise our kids, we say, we want to tell you straight up what's happening. This is a difficult situation. I want you to know what is happening in this world so that we can trust in Christ and get through this. And so this is what Peter does. But he couches it and he layers it with hope. And he reminds you of the blessings that you have that far exceed the problems of today. And so last time we looked at the foundation of your salvation. But many times as Christians we think, man, this is just too much. The, the pressures from outside, the the internal struggles and conflicts from inside the church. How are we to deal with this? And so, as we recall, our preaching point from last time was that through His Word this morning that God desires to remind you of His precious salvation in Christ. And we talked about the foundation of Christ. If you recall from verse 1, it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Christ to those who have received a faith of the same kind as of, of ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he reminds them that it's not simply principles. It's not abstract ideas. It's not you receiving four spiritual truths. But it's actually receiving the person of Jesus Christ. We don't walk with just abstract ideas, brothers and sisters. They include ideas. But it has come in the person and, and worth of Jesus himself. And Simon Peter is the one who recognized that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But secondly, as we move on, Peter wants believers at those churches, and I think the application for us is that we would sit and pause and ponder of the blessings of your salvation. The blessings of your salvation. I think the old saying that we have in our mouths is that familiarity breeds contempt. And yet, with salvation, Peter is saying, let that not ever be. Never Go a day with thinking, oh, this grace is old hat. This grace is, you know, this gospel is, 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 is a little bit too old for me. Or this gospel is not sufficient for what I need today. And so Peter preaches to them and he reminds them. He writes this letter and he says, grace. No, notice this. He starts this letter not attacking the false teachers right away, but reminds them of their standing. Grace and peace, just listen to the words, brothers and sisters, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Much can be said about this simple phrase. Folks would probably skip on it because it's a salutation, but he says grace, grace, 
grace, grace, grace. Brothers and sisters, if there's anything in this Christian life that you, that you can live on, that you know about, it is that we just live by grace. Isn't that right? He says, grace, we understand this. What's grace, you ask the average Christian, and they'll say that's God's unmerited favor, and that is true. I'm going to push it because biblically it is really God's unmerited favor to a people who deserve hell. This is inclusive of God's complete forgiveness in Christ. And there you pause, brothers and sisters. See the freshness of it and the newness of it. When you first came to Christ and and you said, Lord, I'm tired of my sin. Please forgive me. I want to live your way. I want to trust in you. Please show me who you are. And you recall when you first got saved. I love to hear the stories in baptism because I get to hear those stories. But you recall when you first got saved of the freshness, of the newness, of this sense of relief. Amen? These have been Christians who have probably, you know, you get beat up enough. You're like thinking, maybe I'm not living in grace right now. Right? What's, I thought, I, I thought this was supposed to be a good life. And Peter is saying, you're suffering, but in the middle of it, there's problems in the church in the middle of it. Grace! It's amazing, isn't it? And then he moves on to this next, for it, this next word. He says peace. And this peace, this peace is, is, has many aspects to it. it. First, of course, it's in relationship with God. Let me show you here. There is, did you know when people say peace and they say see you or peace in the Middle East or peace brother, peace brother. There's no real peace apart from Christ because there's no real reconciliation with God the Bible says that in Romans chapter 5 verses 1 2 therefore having been justified by faith no, why don't you turn there Romans 1 Romans 5 Romans chapter 5 and he is layering this whole letter with this grace and peace in Romans chapter 5 now Paul is talking about this same peace Erinne right this peace, therefore, having been justified by faith. And now what Paul is saying, and he's explaining a little bit more about this, this justification first and primarily starts here. This justification where the justified by faith means simply that now I am a guilty sinner. I go before God and I trust in Christ. And so now, because of Christ's righteousness, it is placed on me and my sins are placed on Christ. Now I am justified. That is now he looks upon me with the imputed righteousness of Christ. 
And this, brothers and sisters, I'll tell you, and you need to hold on to this with your friends and with your family, that if they want true peace, they need to be reconciled to God. It's not that they're fighting with their spouse. It's not that they're fighting with their relatives. It's not that their mom or their dad hates them or their dad or their kids hate their mom or their dad or whatever problems there is relationally, primarily, brothers and sisters, it all comes down to are you reconciled with God? And from here it flows. All of this grace, all of this peace, if you've been justified by God... In Christ Jesus, you have this grace and you have this peace. And that's the kind of life you live now. That's not just in relationship with God. It's in relationship with life itself. I want peace in this life. Now, I don't go around with... uh, one of those drones and a camera following your life. That's not, I don't think that's my job. Maybe Ty's job, but not my job. No, I'm just kidding, because he likes drones, right? But truth be told, all of us have come into like really rocky places, haven't we? Where the waves have just kind of just turned our lives upside down and you wonder if you're going to make it I'm struggling with depression or I'm struggling with this person or I can't believe someone did this to me or all of all of those things the problems in the church as well and in Thessalonians just just listen to this 2 Thessalonians 3.16, it says, Now may the Lord of peace. It's amazing. He calls himself the Lord of peace. Now, nah, go over there. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I don't, this is such a, a rich verse. <laughs> I want you to see it. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I want to, by God's grace, I, I want, I'm praying that the Lord would king tide you with grace and peace today. Hosh! The high tide, not the low tide. Second Thessalonians, he says in chapter 3. That's amazing. Chapter 3, verse 16. And look at verses 14 and 15. If anyone doesn't obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Look, there's problems in that church. Man! struggles and then he says at verse 16 now may the lord of peace (laughs) it's interesting so paul is saying even in those problems just like what peter has said even in those problems he says now may the lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance the lord be with you all God grants peace in our relationship with God, in our relationship with life, and in this world. Yet they don't understand. What did Jesus say? John 14, 27. Maybe you could quote it with me if you remember it. 
If you don't know it, maybe memorize it because sometimes that's all that you need. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. That is your Lord's words to you. A shalom, a refreshing. Haven't you seen those docu-commercials of everyone looking for this? And they promise, everybody promises peace whether it be by some workout or by some psychotherapy or by some, some sort of man-made philosophy. And Peter says it flows freely from the cross. Now, going back to Second Peter... It's not just a first experience with grace and peace. I think that's what sometimes some Christians believe or sometimes when the theology is not deep enough, when the word of God is not expounded, that's all they live on this plane. I have received grace and peace for my salvation and that's all I have. But this rest of this grace and peace, maybe it comes from me organizing my life into different columns and priorities that I just get it by myself. And yet the Bible says this grace and peace, notice he says here, be multiplied. Be multiplied. I need that. Sometimes we, God in his wisdom, knowing how to cause us to grow in him, gives us trials that just doesn't seem to end. It just keeps going. And for you, brothers and sisters, Peter says, I pray that it would be multiplied. It's from the root, plerao, to be made full, to grow, to increase, to be filled with, to be given in abundance. It's kind of like when I would go to my friend, uh, my friend Mark's house, and his mom would feed us. She would give us a plate. It was ridiculous. She'd have this big old pot of spaghetti, probably about this tall. (laughs) And all of us wrestlers would come after high school. And we would all go to Mark's house, and his mom would go, boom, spaghetti spilling out, sauce pouring all over. Spaghetti multiplied. (laughs) Oh, brothers and sisters, have we been so caught up with our trial that we forgot that this grace and this peace has been multiplied to us. What this means, I think you have to stop and thank God. I was studying earlier this morning and I'm looking at my family. I just had to stop as I was praying over the text 
that I'm preaching to you today. And I looked at each of them and I said, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I am, I'm a rich man. I don't mean financially. But I do mean I am so, so rich that I have believers in my house who love Christ and grace and peace is multiplied in that home. And you, brothers and sisters, wherever you're at in your family and in your households, be that channel of grace and peace. Let that be multiplied and poured out in abundance and be thankful for whatever you have. Amen. And now he says that this life, when, what is that implication of it, grace and peace being multiplied? It's an implication that this life, this whole life, brothers and sisters, is going to be this unending, boundless flow of love and God's favor that cannot be stopped. And that this favor would be coupled with a peace that flows that no one can understand. It's like what Jesus says, uh, of what John said in John 1.16, For of his fullness we have all received, of his abundance, of his big treasure we have received, not of his meager small pocket, but of his fullness we have received. Grace upon grace, let the waves of grace and peace flow over me, brothers and sisters. And that's where the desire for living this Christian life comes from. That's where the motivation comes from. That's where the overflow of evangelism comes from. That's where the energy of service comes from. Grace and peace. Multiplied to you. Next phrase. The blessings of salvation. It's in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In or probably better understood through Stressing the manner by which grace and peace are multiplied in your life. The word knowledge, this is God's full and abundant and unending grace and peace, is not given to those who don't know Christ and his gospel as explained in Scripture. Notice the phrase, it's through or in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It is exclusive to those who bow the knee to Christ. It is exclusive to those who receive the knowledge of Christ. It is exclusive to those who repent in Christ. Epigonosco or epigonosis is, it's, it's this, the gnosis is the knowledge. It's this deep, full, rich knowledge. It's a deep and intimate understanding. The word there for epi is a strengthener. It's a phrase, excuse me, it's a prefix to strengthen the word. This full understanding of who God and of Jesus our Lord is, Jesus our Lord. 
Peter says he's not just our Savior. Notice, we actually do what he says, our Lord. It's the same idea of what when Paul says in Ephesians 1.17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a wisdom, spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. The knowledge of understanding of who Christ is as a person. But it is an also an objective knowing of God through his word. It's not, an, it's not simply someone who says, I know Jesus in my own personal way, with my own personal views, by defining him in my own personal mind. It's a knowledge of God and of Jesus our Savior as reflected in God's word. It doesn't come from feelings or emotions. But rather in a wholehearted embrace of God's revealed truth, seated in what the Bible says. I have grace and I have peace in the knowledge of our Lord, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now brothers and sisters, I know, sometimes you might have been told that I don't want to share the gospel and tell them that they're going to have grace and peace. Because they're going to only go to Christ because of grace and peace and they don't want their sins forgiven. Oh brothers and sisters, I know you have a... You have a caution to that. You want to slow down because of that. But brothers and sisters, that's one of his ministries. He is the source of grace and peace. I just tell them that they have to deal with the sin problem in Christ. You don't make deals with Jesus. Now, this is crucial for in order to be saved from your sins, you have to have a true knowledge of the person and work of Christ. This is not just knowing about Christ. We understand that. I know about certain people, right? I know about certain sports figures. I don't know them. They're not my friends. They don't come to my house, right? I know about them. I know the statistics. I know what they can do, but I don't know them. In Christ, you know him, right? It's not simply a a personal relationship with Christ or Jesus, but it's a relationship with Christ based on the word of what he declared himself to be. And the reason why I say this is because oftentimes in the evangelical world, people say he is my personal Lord and Savior, but they have already predefined what that means. This is a Jesus who doesn't, who just accepts me as as who I am, and that's it. Rather, the Bible says he accepts you as who you are, that's correct, but loves you so much he won't let you stay the way you are. Do you see the slight implication there? The slight subtlety that is missing. He is the Savior, yes he is, but he is the Savior and the Lord and he demands absolute obedience and that part of being Lord is removed in much of the evangelical world. It's kind of like an optional thing. It's kind of like those are for more committed Christians where the Bible says it's for all Christians. Now, truly knowing Christ being saved is never divorced from his word. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's how you come to have the knowledge of God. 
Even Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 16. From that childhood, you've been known the sacred writings, which is the scriptures, which are able to give you a wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So there we know the instrumentality of God's word. What does that mean? That simply for us to come to know God, you have to be shared the word of God. Now, the million dollar question now is this. I don't ask to embarrass you. I simply ask because we care. We care about the glory of Christ. We care about your soul. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you understand the truth about Christ and do you wholeheartedly embrace him as both Savior and Lord? He is the starting point of grace and peace. Perhaps, perhaps, You've not been experiencing this grace and peace because he's getting your attention. Not what the world says about Jesus, but what is declared about him in his word that he created you and me for the express purpose to bring him glory. That our sin separated us from God. Our wickedness simply brought a wedge, a division of animosity. Because we have broken his law. And we have offended a holy God. And we, apart from Christ, sit happy in our sin. That God sent his son. We would be hopeless without God, without hope in this world. His son, by his life, burial, resurrection, and ascension, would be an offering to God for all of the sins we have committed or ever will commit. That he, by his grace, has made himself noble for those who would believe. And that by faith and repentance, you can finally know God through Christ, not just knowing about God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, but know God. You could know God. Is that an amazing thought? That I go bed, go to bed at night in my thoughts as I am speaking to the creator of the universe. You know God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Do you know him? Now, that's where it all starts. And I invite you, if you do not, would you go home and bow the knee? Or would you talk to us and we could pray for you? We would love to pray for you and introduce you to this one. Or this morning, if you are a Christian, the question is related If knowing Christ through his word is a starting point, 
the continuing journey is to ask this question. Are you, brother or sister, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Is knowing Christ, maybe I'll put it in these terms, more intimately, knowing his word more sharply, is that your lifelong pursuit? Because it ought to be. And can I tell you, as a Christian, therein lies the big clog to experiencing his grace and peace in its fullness. If I am not pursuing getting to know the Savior more and more each day. Or maybe I'll ask it in a different way. I like to ask things in different ways. Here it is. How about this? Are you obsessed and, in, and consumed with the glory of Christ and wanting to be more like him by learning about him? Are you pursuing being more like him because of what you're learning? Saints, let his rivers of grace and peace run freely in your life by pursuing a greater and greater knowledge of him through the truth of God's word. So be reminded this morning of the preciousness of your salvation by, number one, dwelling on the foundation of your salvation, that is Christ himself. We saw that last week. By number two, receiving the blessings of salvation, that is grace and peace. It's amazing. His grace brought about our peace with him and allows you to have peace with each other. This is a little, I have a little story. We were at a competition two weeks ago and my daughter Karis was wrestling one of the best matches of her life. Uh, she was wrestling this girl who had beat her twice, senior. She was buffed, buffed senior. And we gave her a game plan and Karis followed it to a T. And we believe she beat her, but the ref, this was the worst calls we've ever seen and uh, one of our coaches, who's had over 30 or 40 years experience, said, had to lodge a complaint with the ref. It turned the tide of the whole match, and Karis ended up losing by two penalty points. We wanted so bad to win. We like winning. But God had better plans. Better plans. This is just a little illustration, okay? Our team, you could see smoke coming out of their ears. Our coaches, inflamed. Lodging complaints with the ref. We, we, I've never done that. We've never done that. Uh, Karis was in the back weeping she said she said I I followed it to the T and and uh you know our more older coach I call him my coach mentor he's a believer he loves the Lord he said I never say this but you did win that match and I never complain about referees but I'm allergic a complaint because of that 
And right there, in that little corner, by God's grace, not because of her own strength or her own power, in sitting down with her wrestling shoes with her singlet on and her headgear, sweat coming down, she gave glory to God. It was more important, brothers and sisters, let me tell you, I was just looking at this whole thing playing out. It was more important to her teammates, for her, for them to see that we were resting in the grace and peace of Christ rather than some silly wrestling match. And it gave God more glory that we lost than winning. Because next time we're going to get that girl. But anyways... (laughs) Right? Anyways, anyways. Sometimes, guys, brothers and sisters, and I just use that as a, it's a small illustration. But sometimes the problems and the trials of our life give more glory to God and give more glory to Christ. Because you have this opportunity to show what it means when grace and peace are flooding your life because you've been reconciled to God. Oh, I was tempted. Oh, I was tempted. One of the other coaches says, are you, are you just like that, saying that? I was talking about the sovereignty of God. Are you saying that because you're a pastor? I said, no, because I'm a Christian. And all Christians should. Amen? If we're filled with grace and peace, amen? I get to tell you what next, what, what else he's given you. And let's see if we have a lot of time. Okay, I told Ty I was going to get done on time. I don't think this is going to happen. But let's keep going. Okay. The sufficiency of your salvation. Verses 3 to 4. God gives you and he promises. And brothers and sisters, you could put this to test. He gives you everything you need. Everything you need. Everything you need. Now, he says in verses 3 and 4, let me read it to you again. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. So where do I get everything? It says everything. Right? Everything includes everything. Pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Brothers and sisters. I can't tell you how much more theology is practical. People say well I don't want to hear about theology because it's not practical. Oh my. You don't understand theology then. All theology is practical. All of it. For it demands a trust, an obedience, some kind of following, uh, a resting in. And here, brothers and sisters, this theology allows you to rest, allows you to persevere, allows you to endure. 
All that you have in Christ is not dependent on what the world can provide. You have been given an overflow, brothers and sisters, to meet all the demands of life. He, though he has lavished this blessing upon us, given us regeneration and justification, many believers think he has not given us enough for sanctification. And let me break that down. Sanctification means a growing more and more in the likeness of Christ in the matrix of life. Okay? Right now. So some Christians believe that Christ has given us all that we need to be saved, but not enough sustaining grace for life's problems, trials, and temptations. They may not say it with their words, but they, they are actually displaying their lack of trust in God's resources. Or maybe it's a lack of teaching. Maybe they don't understand the richness that they have. It's like a rich person not knowing all of, that, all of the money that they have. A boy who has left and, and has this inheritance of billions of dollars and he, does, and he still lives as a pauper. Oh, brothers and sisters, we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let's see what the uh, Word of God has to say. Verse 3, seeing that His divine power has granted to us, God gives us strength. God gives us strength. His divine power has granted to us. It's not any power by a sheer act of human will in themselves. This is what some people think Christianity is. That you can kind of will yourself to being better. You can't. You ever tried? Ever tried? Go ahead. Fall on your face. I'm just going to will myself by my own power. To, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to sin. That's it. But here, the Bible says that God gives us power. He gives us strength. He gives us vitality, vigor, if we trust in him. Trying to live a Christian life without the power of Christ is an exercise in futility. God not only gives us commands, here's the promise, brothers and sisters, but he gives you the power to grow and to obey them. It's not our own power, it's God's power. It's God's strength that has the same divine nature as the risen Christ. It's amazing. This is why Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that I might know him and the power of his, what? resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death this is the power that actually allows you to go and glorify God and it pleases him it's amazing God gives you strength Christ has given you his divine power it's been available to you he has granted it it's you know it's amazing in that verb it's it's in the perfect passive which simply means that it happened in the past with ongoing results in other words in other words brothers and sisters every single day you have god's supply of power at your resources every day It's not like PG&E or SDG&E, PG&E, 
Where did I remember that? Sorry, that's from the north. SDG&E. SDG&E, which sometimes flickers during storms. Oh, your power is there every day. It'll never fail. The moment you receive Christ, you have his power. And you could actually, by God's grace, fight sin. Hallelujah. You can have hope in God. Hallelujah. You can trust in Him. You could actually continue through a trial. Believers can often sense a powerlessness in their life. And here's the relationship. When they distance themselves from Christ through their own sin or they're negligent in their service to him or they simply don't appropriate his strength through prayer. Fathers and mothers, you all have this opportunity when your children say they can't do something. I can't do it. I'm too tired. I won't be able... You have the power to either... Say, well, you can do it by the power of your own strength. You better just get up and do it. Or you can teach them by saying, let's pray. Let's pray. And you teach them. And as they grow up by God's grace and they depart from the home, they think, what did mom and dad do when they were weak and tired? Oh, I remember they would pray. They would pray. And they would appropriate the power that is your birthright, brothers and sisters. Are you feeling weak and weary, saint? God has given you power. Learn to pray to him in all things. Learn to cling to his word. Learn to cling to him. Secondly, God offers us provision. <laughs> provision. He says everything pertaining to life and godliness. This is interesting. He says everything. Everything. Everything means everything. Christians may think that after they are saved, they need something else. As one commentator said, this faulty idea causes believers to seek second blessings. Spirit baptisms, tongues, mystical experiences, special psychological insights, private revelations, self-crucifixion, the deeper life, heightened emotions, demon bindings, and combinations of various ones of all those in attempt to attain what is supposedly missing from their spiritual resources when you have it already, brothers and sisters. When believers try to add to help other folks by use of man-made philosophies, they display that they truly do not understand what God is saying in his word. What Peter is explaining here, that he has given believers everything pertaining to life and godliness. This means that anything that you will face in life and how to live a godly life in your life God has given you all the resources, all the power, all the strength, all the principles 
in his word. We need just but appropriate it. And you have to believe this, brothers and sisters. There's no, no liberty without this. There's no true freedom without this. This is why Jesus says you will know the, what, truth? And the truth will, what, set you free. And if you've gone, I'm sorry, if you've gone to churches where they say, well, Jesus is good for the cross, Jesus is good for your sins, but your daily problems of depression, your daily problems of anger, your daily problems of bipolarism, your daily problems of all these other things, that is not where Jesus can help you. I'm sorry, that's where the realm that Jesus himself says I can provide for. He says he has come to heal the broken hearted. He says he has come to calm down those with outbursts of anger. He says he has come to heal those who would call themselves sexual addicts, but what the Bible would say, filled with lust, he has come to heal those kind of people. This is his ministry. He is called the shepherd and he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now, all divine power for sanctification. There is nothing lacking at all. Believers can't ever say, God, I can't obey you because you didn't give me all that I needed. I needed to go somewhere else. God is saying there's no trial, there's no temptation, there are no schemes of the devil that have more resources than you have in Christ. The text is stressing everything. So he has given us divine power. He has given you provision for all that you will experience in life. And to live that life in a growing and sanctifying way. The word godliness means to be reverent. It's a reverent act of obedience. It is characteristic in your life. Second Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you have all sufficiency in everything. You have abundance for every good deed. You see, this is absolute inconsistency. When saints never question God's power to initially save, but then he is not, in their mind, he is not equally powerful to empower you, to sustain you for righteous living in this life. He can save your eternal life. He can't save your temporal life inconsistent if he is my savior now if he is my savior in the future he is my savior now if he is my savior who has forgiven me of my sins he can help me power through those sins if I was enslaved to certain things now I'm set free is it easy? no but by God's strength it is possible God grants us access that is through the true knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and excellence. And lastly, God ensures us promises. For by the, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by him you may become partakers of his divine nature. That is a sharer, a partner. And then you escape the corruption that is in the world by lust. The corruption is... The word there comes for rot, like a corpse, a stench. 
He says you could actually live in this life filthy of the world. You could still live a life empowered that is pleasing to God. Now we've got a lot more to say about this. I can tell there is a lot more to say. Um, But we're at 12 o'clock already. But let me just press this, press this a little bit more. The God who saved you from your sins is the same God who will sanctify you in this life. The God who gave you a holy position in Christ is the same God that will empower you in this life. Now the question is, do you believe that? Because if you believe it and you appropriate it, you will be dependent upon Christ's power. But if you don't believe it or you don't teach it, then folks who you're over the influence of don't seek for it. They don't know that, that, that Christ is actually for this life too. He can help me in this life. He can help me out of my sadness. He could help me out of my outbursts of anger. He could help me out of my lust. That's the biblical language that God uses, right? He can actually do that. Why don't we pray? For this great God who gives us his precious salvation. Father in heaven, we are so grateful. We ask that we would be a people who would trust. You say... Those words were given for a reason. It's because folks will tell us that we don't have enough. It's because the situations, when we look at it, look bigger than the resources that we have because we have to look through it, look to it by faith. But Lord, we know your word is clear. You've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You've given us divine power. You've given us your promises. Help us to live there, live in that richness where grace and peace flow like the king tides over our life. In Jesus' name, amen.